Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me is Shark Napolitana. We're brought to you by the Burner Podcast Network. Go subscribe to the podcast on whichever device you use. I actually heard Omar Samhan subscribe, so you should as well. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at the underscore barnburner. You should also follow me at Subi232. To find out where the feed is in shark at shark underscore ultra BB. We're sponsored by Blue Note, artfully crafted small batch bourbon distilled in Memphis and honoring the Memphis blues. Be noteworthy, Memphis. Duke was able to accomplish against Kentucky and Zion Williamson. They've now leapfrogged all the way up to the number one spot in this week's college basketball rankings. I don't think many people can argue that. Maybe Kansas can. Like uh, we just beat Michigan State. Now we can we're getting leapfrogged. But uh, you had some choice words for Zion Williamson and Duke last week. I'm actually going to trot you out on the stage so you can give a soliloquy on on if you want to double down or have any sort of updated response. And I, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm going to double down, but even, <laughs> even before we get into that, um, I had something prepared that I wanted to say, but you know, we, we do a little 
you know, brief conversation beforehand to discuss what we're going to talk about. Did you just say that Omar Samhan is a subscriber to the barn burner here? It's not actually true, but oh. that's a new wrinkle moving forward. I mean, you just threw me off my game entirely right there. That's one of my all-time favorite college basketball players. So I got a little nervous right there. But all right, anyways, hopefully Sam Hamm will uh, listen to this one of these days. Um, phenomenal ball player. It's my ploy in hoping to get more of these obscure basketball players to, to subscribe to the podcast. Oh, well, I mean, wow. I felt like I just took a body shot right there. But anyway, Zion Williamson. All right. Um, yeah, as you know, uh, I came out swinging against Zion. I had a strong take, and um, I'll be honest with you, the, the, the take's not looking good through two games. It uh, could be better, but, you know, was he that was he that good, or was he just that more, so much f- physically dominating than everyone else? And, you know, I don't want us to get too far ahead of ourselves with him. I'd like to see him do it, you know, on the road in Charlottesville. I'd like to see him do it on the road in Chapel Hill. I'd like to see him do it against some better competition. You know, granted, I understand that first game was very impressive, But, you know, we've seen a lot of flash in the pan guys, uh, at least in the college ranks. We've seen them in the NFL. We've seen them in the NBA. I mean, just going off the top of my head, you got you got Tebow. Tebow showed up and, you know, when he was a Bronco out of nowhere, it looked like he was going to take the league by storm. And we know the end of his story. Uh, More immediate, you're going to have Sam Darnold, who he's been horrific after that Monday night performance against the Lions this year. You got Jeremy Lin. You got all these guys that just really – emerge on the scenes. Now I'm not saying that Zion Williamson's Jeremy Lin, but I need to see more of a portfolio from this guy before, you know, everyone's gonna, you know, uh, smear my name because I have been getting, uh, a lot of contact from people reaching out to me letting me know that I'm an idiot for doing it, but Hey, you know, scared takes don't make, uh, don't make money. So <laughs> that's why I want to get out here and I'm still standing by this. I don't think, I think his ceiling is going to be a, a you know a Robert Tractor trailer in the NBA, um, and I think he's more likely to end up in the world of uh, let's say let's call him a hybrid between Glenn Big Baby Davis and da, 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 you know Draymond Green. I'll put him there. So that, go ahead. No, that's all I got. That's all I got for him. I mean, I, I'm not going to. I didn't lose this fight yet, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to stand on this mountain proudly saying, I don't think he's going to be a very skilled player and I will die, die on this mountain if it comes to it. Um, but I, I'm not ready to crown this guy just yet, but I'm certainly eating my words after the first two games. So congrats. I'll admit, I'll admit that I'm not ready to give him a hundred percent credit just yet, but what he did last week in these first two games has been nothing short of impressive did it against the number two team in the country and on a neutral site. I think deep down in places you don't want to talk about, you know that these chickens are coming home to roost and you're going to at some point have to really apologize for those first, for that first take uh, because you're throwing out guys like Tim Tebow uh, and who else did you just say? Jeremy Lin. Uh, these guys all stuck yeah. in the, in the pros, but in college, they were fucking amazing. Tim Tebow is a legend, one of the greatest college football players of all time. If I'm Zion Williamson, I kind of love that comparison. Uh, obviously, Zion probably has bigger sights in the pros, but some. I mean, what what we had discussed was pretty accurate and came to fruition with Zion. He has had a couple of amazing dunks and blocks. That play against Kentucky, where he blocked someone 
brought the ball up in transition and threw an absolute butter, butter uh, bounce pass for an and one. Uh, Zion, Zion has really impressed. And I brought it up last time on uh, last, last time we spoke, I was curious, can he shoot? And not only could he, did he show that he can shoot so far, uh, he can create his own shot. He was taking people off the dribble a couple times. Now, look, I'm yeah, not ready to. Well, not that, gonna, the, the jury's still out on that. You know, the jury's still in the deliberation room on determining whether or not this guy can shoot. I, I, I'm with you on the passing. I was, I didn't know he had that kind of, you know, floor general skills. Um, some very, very sharp, good court vision. I was impressed with that. But, you know, I do. Just saying, JJ it, it, Watt in a Duke jersey showed out. No, he's, he's proven everyone correct. Yeah, uh, no, it, it takes a lot for me to apologize, so I'm not ready to apologize <laughs> here yet. That's good. Uh, well, that's good. Uh, I will say though that I'm not ready to crown Duke a national title. I mean, oh, I'm me reading all these. It's absurd. I'm reading all these pundits and all these hot takes on Twitter saying uh, there's no point in playing the college basketball season. Yeah, they're really fucking good right now. They're amazing. But do we not realize what sport we're playing here? This is college basketball. Uh, we, we had South Carolina beat Duke a couple years back and go to a Final Four. right? We got Sister Jean going to a Final Four. These guys can lose on any given day, and I'm absolutely not ready to crown anyone, which is kind of crazy to me how we're seeing everyone just say, all right, well, Duke's a lock to win the national title. So I think they're, in terms of Zion himself, I think – I'm I'm ready to get really excited about this guy. In terms of Duke, though, as solidifying themselves as the national champion, yeah, they're a contender, of course. They are every single year. But giving them the title already here in November? No, not ready to do that. Yeah, that was crazy. I, I saw somewhere that the uh, when you're doing futures bets to win it all, Duke was like plus 300. You, you, you're an absolute lunatic to take that bet right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I, yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, – <sighs> This is classic, you know, reactionary news where people want to get out and, you know, lay lay claim to the the obvious thing. What what have they seen lately? And everyone loves Duke right now and everyone loves Zion. But, you know, Omar Samhan, you know, he's getting a lot of run this podcast already. But I could totally see a guy like him bodying up Zion, you know, on the second weekend of March Madness. And you get the crowd behind you, you get two fouls. And all of a sudden, these young kids that haven't been mentally tested yet. It could all fall apart and just, you know, you know. Omar Samhan would probably just intimidate the shit out of Zion Williamson because he looked like the epitome of a California cholo. He had the low baggy shorts with like the quarter calf or high, somewhat high socks. But then he all, it looked like he was playing in Vans. I mean, I, the, the shoes that he was playing with, I don't think went past his ankles. He was one of those guys where you throw it to him on the block and – I don't know if anyone you can ever have a hundred percent confidence in them scoring every single time, but Sam Ham, <laughs> I was pretty damn close to a hundred percent every single time he touched it. The guy was a menace on the post. He was, he was slow as molasses, but the guy, the guy was effective before we move on from uh, this, you know, the, the, the Duke coronation and Zion's coronation. Can we have a brief discussion about Kentucky? They kind of stink. Their first two games were really bad. Obviously, against Duke getting blown out, not even being competitive. And then their second game at home, they struggled a little bit in the first half. I mean, you're just you're just asking for the Coach Cal kid speech right now. Right? He can't do it this year, though. He cannot do it this year. He's got Reed Travis. He's got a sophomore coming back as well. Uh-uh. I'm not are giving you, Coach Cal that. Are you that. challenging Coach Cal on whether or not he can use the kid's excuse? 
Well, he's going to, but it's not justified. The past five years, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, justified. It's, it's never justified. He does it anyways. That's the point. It's whether or not he does it. No, so he has you know legitimate kids. He's got freshmen. I mean, obviously, I mean, it's it's him doing it's him recruiting all these guys. But he trot out the the kids line, which I'm always here for. But he's got upperclassmen now. I mean, I can see the interview right now with Jimmy Dykes in late February when Kentucky has won their 11th straight game and Coach Cal on the side right after the game is getting interviewed. And he says, you oh, know, a bunch of kids, you know, it's you know what it's like to get an 18 year old and hit, have them when he's been the best player in his life and get him to come see another 18 year old from across the country and get these guys in a room and have them share the ball. I mean, I, I mean, this is a horrible coach Cal impersonation. It's early on in the year. I'm going to work on it, but you are begging for the coach Cal excuse. Cause this, this is playing right into his wheelhouse. You know, Kentucky loses early on, they get hot and then you play the kids card and all of a sudden big blue showing up wherever these guys uh, are playing in the first two rounds and they're rolling. Unfortunately, that was supposed to happen for them last year. And you know, they ran into that buzzsaw in Manhattan, Kansas, Kansas State. <laughs> but whatever, that's neither here nor there. All I know is I, I did, in the rankings, um, I know Tennessee's five now, but I, you, you can't give me a straight face argument and tell me Kentucky's going to be better than Tennessee at this stage in the season. Now I, know I don't think I did last week. No, but I, I'm just talking about, you know, some, you know, you know, guy I'm propping up some random guy to argue that with me. And I know that's all a big blue nation to do it, but there's no way you can tell me that they're bet They would be better and they can compete with Tennessee at this stage in the season. Now I know that they will by the end of the year. Um, could be, could be some dark days down in uh, Lexington as it pertains to them playing against Tennessee. They just got their ass whooped in football. They might, they may get two losses at the hands of the walls in basketball as well. So we'll see how that plays out. So real quick, last thing before we move on. At what point in the year, if Zion's continuing to play like he did the first couple games, which is at like a Nova type of level, uh, at what point in the year do you say, okay, I'm a believer? When does it have to happen? Um, so they're probably not going to – I don't have the schedules up in front of me, but I, I need to see him have a, a transcendent performance on the road against an ACC team where he's getting the offense is running through him in the final two minutes of the game. And he is producing now at this point, I think he's kind of just, Oh, look at him, fill the stat sheet up and look at him do all this. And you, I, I didn't watch the second game, but his numbers were phenomenal. I have no clue how involved he was, but he seems like someone that just capitalizes off of how good his team is rather than make his team as good as they are. If yeah. that makes any sense to you. Yeah. RJ Barrett and Cam Reddish, man. I agree. They showed out as well. Holy shit. That's a, that's a scary three headed monster. All right, let's head out to the PAC 12 in the West coast. Uh, I was up late watching this game last week. ASU went to double overtime against Cal state Fullerton. Unbelievable. This ASU team is just so funny to watch. I, I love when college basketball rolls back around and they, and the little brother tries to tries to get a seat at the table. Hurley almost loses his very first game of the season. Now let me tell you something. Rothstein really fucked me uh, that day because he tweeted out his infamous ASU loses a bye game, the epitome of brutality. So he tweets that out. And I think what happened was he got duped. ESPN sent out a final score when it wasn't the final. That game ended up going to double overtime and ASU pulled away beating Cal State Fullerton. But it was just one of the, I think, two or three bad Twitter moments for me because I got duped again 
on, I think Pat Forty tweeted that Vanderbilt lost. And I texted our group chat. I said, first bad loss of the season goes to the SEC. Turns out it was Vanderbilt women's basketball, not Bryce Drew's team. But ASU going to double overtime, Bobby Hurley, we got we got early season angry Bobby Hurley, which is just that is theater. If you want to look at it, the guy's just hysterical. He's just a little man who gets so mad. And we'll actually get to his brother here uh, shortly. But ASU going to double overtime. This isn't going to be the same team that somehow squeaked into the NCAA tournament. Uh, they they were as high as high as number two last year in the country. Uh, they are not starting the same way that they did last year. And to be honest with you, it gives me a grinch smile. I love it. Uh, they do have a guy, though, who is going to be on my all-name team, which is something that we should put together at the end of the year. His name is Lugans Dort. Who? Lugans Dort. Awesome name to just yell out when he hits a three. Dort. Uh, is he awesome. a shooter? Yeah. He's, oh. he's, 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 he's an all-around player. He, he can make the argument that he's their best player. Lugans Dort, that was the only thing that I really took away from this ASU game. Frenchman, too. He can he can speak French. I, I saw a uh, little exchange between him and Eddie House trying to speak French. Eddie House, like they literally just asked them. This is just the production value of Pac-12 reporting. They just say, "Hey, say something in French." That's it. <laughs> like say something good about the game in French. He did it. He looks at Eddie House, and Eddie House, of course, thinking he's hysterical, he just goes, "We." Oh. <laughs> I would have thought Eddie House would go Trey Bien or something like that. You know, yeah, Eddie House. I think. The, um, but yeah, I mean, I, a couple things uh, that I can add to that. Number one, I mean, the fact that you were duped by a tweet, you know, it's November. That's why we got to get our reps in right now. You're a little sloppy. Um, you, you do what you can. You, you keep firing them off. But, you know, it's early in the season. Uh, and really, the, we are spending this time now. You're involved in your group chats now. You're on Twitter now. You're doing podcasts now. So you can be sharp as a tack come March because you can't have those type of mistakes when you're flipping between true TV and TNT and TBS and CBS. You got to be ready to roll. You can't have these mistakes. I forget, you know, when we had uh, when the World Series was going on, we if you're a sports fan for baseball and football and college football, those Saturday nights, you had to be you had to be moving. And then on those Sundays, you had to be moving uh, as a sports fan, you know, much like the athletes, we got to put in the work throughout the season so we're ready when the lights shine bright another note Rothstein I mean you ever want to be on the other end of his epitome of brutality tweet I no. I don't know what the corollary is for you know you know everyday Jimmy's and Joe's but when Rothstein's giving you epitome of brutality in game two oh. game one Oh, it was a game one. I mean, it shows, shows how much this Cal State Fullerton ASU game meant to me. But I mean, Maron, you you do not want to be on that end right there, right there early on. Yeah, and hey. I mean, double overtime ASU Cal State Fullerton. That and I know you're the Pac-12 guy. You're the West Coast champion. You can't expect any self-respecting East Coast man to be watching that game or even know what the hell you're talking about right now. So, I mean, I'm happy for that. You, your team, your rival looked bad, but I would have literally nothing to offer with respect to Arizona State basketball at this point. No, that's fine. That's exactly why I wanted to bring it up because so that it wasn't going to get pushed under the rug. No. Uh, you know, I want to, I want to make sure that ASU gets the proper amount of slander that they deserve for going to double overtime against Cal State Fullerton. And you're right. Rothstein, you don't want to be on the receiving end of one of his tweets. 
Also, Rothstein, not in midseason form. I think that's maybe the second time already. And he's a professional, goddammit, all right? I don't claim to be a professional tweeter, just a man who tweets, all right? (laughs) But at the end of the day, he's a big source of information for me because he's one of the very few that – Rothstein's down in the Batcave, man. He's like like Christian Bale with all those TV monitors set up. I mean, I'm pretty sure he has an eye on every single game. And so I need Rothstein to be better, and I need him to not have ESPN as a sole source of information because he's got people like me who are very eager and and anxious to fire off the tweet, and I got burned. So I I mean Rothstein lives the dream. Uh, when, when he's clicking, when Rothstein is hot on those Saturday night games, when game day is going there, and you know he, he he's he's keeping up with everything that's happening. And then he's going out and getting a wonderful meal in Manhattan, you know, magical veal parm on 52nd and sixth, uh, divine wine. Like the, the guy is elite when it comes to watching college basketball. And frankly, uh, someone that I aspire to be at one point in my life. Agreed. Every day is a gift. Art lovely. John Rothstein. All right. That's taxes. Bo Ryan. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. So that's a, that's a little shitting on Bobby Hurley. Let's focus on his brother, Dan Hurley, who's now the new head coach there at UConn. Rothstein actually has his own little quip for, for Dan Hurley. But I saw this highlight over the weekend, and I couldn't get over how much of a tough guy, hardo, I want to be your player's coach, Dan Hurley move this was. So one of his players goes, gets fouled, and he, he takes a tumble underneath the hoop. Dan Hurley then runs out to the player to help him up. Him, It was him and a few of the other teammates. But I just want you to look at this, right? So picture this. This isn't just the player taking a tumble right by Dan Hurley and he helps him up. Uh, this is Hurley like sprinting from the sideline to basically the stanchion of the hoop to help him up. And this wasn't some egregious flagrant foul. or anything. This was a pretty common foul. The guy just went down. And I got Dan Hurley coming out here sprinting. And I got to say, it's one of the more outrageous things I've ever seen. Come on, Dan. I mean, I love that you have your players' backs, but relax, dude. Just just hang out in the coach's box for me. Yeah, but, I mean, he's he's a Hurley, you know? I mean, that's what these guys do. I, I, I look back on, you know, the brothers. You got Bobby and Dan. I read a book, and interestingly enough, it was by Woj, I think it's the right Woj, unless there's another Adrian Wojnarowski out there. He wrote a book called The Miracle of St. Anthony's about their dad, Bob Hurley Sr., who coaches this, you know, you know, rundown Catholic school in Jersey City, Jersey, and how they all they always compete for championships and they're trying to keep the lights on in the school. I actually think the school shut down recently, but whatever. So Dan Hurley is a product of that type of coaching. Bobby Hurley is a product of that type of coaching. Bobby obviously went on to have a phenomenal playing career, but I love these guys. So I love Dan Hurley. I, unfortunately, he was never able to kind of crack through the ceiling for URI when he was there for a little bit. And Bobby Hurley is obviously struggling a little bit. He, he, Bobby Hurley needs to get back on the East coast. I mean, he, that's not going to fly out there with the, with the guys that just want to go surfing and have macchiatos and, you know, go to, you know, some, it's all the same thing mimosa sipping all day that's that's not that's not what bobby hurley's about he needs to take a job at Rutgers or something and build Rutgers from the ground up like one of my all-time favorite coaches greg Schiano. Rutgers football 
chopping wood. That's my guy. But anyways, Dan Hurley, he's going to fix this. I know, I know he will. Um, he's going to, the talent that's going to be coming into UConn. I, I saw the play uh, that you're referencing that we led with here. And I mean, it, it was an insane move, but that, that's right. Up, that's right up the alley of the Hurleys. I mean, he looked like the, uh, he looked like the 12th man on the bench running over to pick up his boy. But the only difference is, you know, he's the head coach of the team uh, going to pick him up out of their stand. So I, he's quirky, he's fiery, but he's the kind of guy that you want coaching your team, uh, especially if you're UConn. I agree that this was this was a great hire for UConn. Danny Hurley is going to turn that program around, but I can't help but think somewhere deep down in places Danny doesn't talk about that he was just begging for this to happen on his side of the court. He was just begging for a player to go right down, uh, right underneath the stanchion because it's the perfect length or distance, I should say, for him to run out there and make it seem like, hey, I got every single one of my players' backs without it being like too absurd. Because if it happened on the complete opposite side of the sideline uh, and him <laughs> running across the court, it would have just looked way too forced. This Danny, was the perfect opportunity for Danny Hurley to show what an absolute hardo he is. Yeah, I, D- Danny Hurley, doesn't he just seem like the kind of guy that – you know, he'll show up at some local high school football game on Friday night lights and just try to fight some other middle-aged man at some point after some cheap hit on the field that had nothing to do with him. Likewise, if it's a high school game or something, he's going to be yelling across when he's just a fan. He just wants to always get himself immersed in there, uh, be seen. And, you know, he just happens to be a good basketball coach with a, with an eye for recruiting. So I think it's going to work out for him. And I think that that attitude is going to reflect on that team because when you look back on UConn the past few years, they they were, they were soft as cool whip, and uh, they, they need some toughness there. Well, I will say if I'm a UConn fan, I'd rather that than whatever the hell Kevin Ollie was doing. Kevin Ollie probably would have just turned his back, sat down on the scorer's table. Hey, he got a ring though. Uh, he did. He did. All right. Um, so enough of the Hurley bashing. We'll move on here. Let's go to Champaign, Illinois, where we've all seen the commercial. It's the NCAA uh, sportsmanship commercial. It's with this kid, and the ref makes a mistake, and he points the wrong – the ball goes out of bounds, and the ref says, uh, it's the other team's ball. And so the kid comes up, and he says, no, no, no. Or no, he's in the coach's huddle. He says, coach, looks, looks him dead in the eye. Coach, I touched the ball. Beautiful moment in sportsmanship. But that's just TV. That's that's commercial. That's your pie in the sky. That should never fucking happen in D1 competitive sports. Now, it didn't impact Illinois because they beat the shit out of whatever team that they were playing. But I can't believe I actually saw this in real life. If I'm that kid's teammate, I'm pissed. How can you trust this guy? Is he, uh, he, 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 This kid puts himself in a terrible position because, number one, if if they're in a close game and he pulls that, they're going to be pissed at him. If he doesn't, right? So let's say if the ball does go out on him and he's quiet and the ref makes a bad call, he's just a hypocrite and he's a liar and he's a fraud. So this is a lose-lose situation for that guy. If I'm Brad Underwood, I got him doing gassers every single practice. Yeah, but I mean, ball don't lie, man. I mean, what, what, if, what if Illinois rips off 10 straight now because of this integrity move by this guy? And, you know, we're, we're on the uh, – we're still in the aftermath of the world cup when sportsmanship points were carrying people, catapulting people to the second round on tiebreakers. And I remember what was it Japan and Senegal. Uh, yeah. Japan was just a little bit more sportsman and hey, they advanced. So maybe Illinois is going to try to win, win the, uh, the honor game 
and it might reflect onto the the court later on. But I'm not going to hate the kid on the kid for uh, trying to do the right thing. I mean, if again, if you know, if I put money on it, or if I had the that turned the game and I had Illinois going on, I mean, I'm going to crucify the guy. But at this point, he's just trying to lay some foundation for some good karma. You know, Underwood's in his second year here. You got you got to build somewhere. You know. Well, then I want him doing that for every player, every play. Okay. Every bad call that's made. I actually want him walking over to the, to the monitors with the refs in any controversial call that's made. Cause he's got, apparently he knows, right? So he, he's, you got to play the honor card. If he goes out on Illinois, got to take it. If, if there's a controversial charge block call, be like, Nope, sir. That, that was on me. I wasn't hey, saying I mean, the other way. Illinois might be building an identity here. You know, they're, they're, uh, Tough but fair, you know the Jerome Boger shout out, uh, Boer, Jerome Boger of the college basketball scene. Where these guys, when you when you go into Champagne, you you know you're going to get a very fair game every single time. So now I want to set the scene then for for March, all right? Because Illinois very very well could be a bubble team. So I would just love to see them as like the last team in the in the field. Maybe that, then, maybe that carries some water with some of these. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, need, I need, like, when Gumble interviews the selection committee, he'd be like, well, Greg, it was between them and, I don't know, Syracuse. Uh, well, Syracuse we, is three games under 500, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we were going to put him in for the 11th straight year, but we saw that play back in November with that guy on Illinois, and we just, we want that in our student athletes. So we're going to go ahead and give him a four seed and, uh, you know, do what we can to make sure they advance to the Elite Eight. Yeah. So, hey, you might be right. But now moving forward, I want to see this kind of justice and I want to see him step up and essentially become the face of NCAA sportsmanship. Oh, here's another angle of it. Moms and dads are going to want to send want to send their kids to that school now. If I was a kid, though, I'd be like, I don't want to play with this narc. No, it's not about what the kid wants to do. It's about what the moms and the dads want to see. Oh, Think about Think about we it. See, we see in football recruiting all the I'm time. Just, Moms yeah, get so mad just, about I'm not, a, kids I'm not, not asking, going to their college. I don't need you to make a decision. I just want you to chew on that. All right. All right. Noted. Last thing uh, before we take a look at the week ahead, Mac McClung. I can't believe we missed talking about this guy in episode one with uh, all the exciting dunkers and all. You know, we were talking about Zion Williamson. I completely forgot that this guy's finally in college because I've been seeing. Uh, highlights of him for the past two years. If you guys don't know who Mac McClung is, he's this white kid from the DMV area. He plays for Georgetown. He's no, no, no. He's from like Southern Virginia. So I, I know you. Okay. It's a yeah, big difference. Yeah. So Southern Virginia is pretty much Tennessee, North Carolina, West Virginia. It's all that area. So very small school. Um, but yeah, a, a, good call. Currently not DMV. Like Kevin Durant would be DMV. Carmelo would be DMV. Mac McClung. <laughs> not DMP. <laughs> All right. He's a Southern boy then. He's also Riff Raff's nephew, I believe. So, uh, you know, I hope, hopefully we get to see Riff Raff and his incredible grills on TV. But Mac McClung, he's finally in college. He's on Patrick Ewing's team right there in Georgetown. And like I said, we were discussing Zion Williamson and his crazy dunks and how we're going to be really excited for all of those. Same goes for Mac. He pulled off a nice little reverse jam, breakaway jam this past, uh, this past week. And it really just got me saying to myself, holy shit, I forgot Mac McClung's here. And he's actually pretty good, right? I mean, it's not like he's Oh, yeah. He, I think coming out, he was probably a three, four-star, depending on where you had him. But um, 
no, he, he's, he starts Patrick Ewan's throwing him out there early on. Um, I did notice that he is over seven from three early on though. So it's always hardest to get that first three ball to go down. So Mac, Mac's looking for it. Um, I didn't, I'd never known him as much of a shooter. I've just seen kind of the dunks that took the internet by storm last year, but I mean, he starts, he starts for the Hoyas and, uh, you know, he's got quite the head coach leading the way there. Give me a point guard white who can throw down and a bottle of red. That's appointment television right there. Cause Georgetown has just been so fucking lame the past couple of years. They're tired. They've been terrible. The past Ewing's couple of years. I mean, the past 15. Uh, they, I mean, with the auto auto Porter team, they were the number one two seed. I think yeah, they lost they, to Florida. Yeah, they, gave us a, yeah. they gave us a Florida Gulf coast one, which was great, but yeah, uh, hopefully you can incredible feat. <laughs> Brett Comer. It's uh, we could dedicate an entire episode to that game, but I digress. All right. So that was basically the week that was. Well, hold on. Hold on. Because we were confronted about this after the last episode, how we did not speak on the Memphis-Kansas connection that, you know, is certainly held very tightly by uh, a lot of the Barden Burner network over there. And, um, the history runs a little, you and I kind of spent a weekend thinking about it. The history runs a lot deeper than you, you would ever anticipate. Obviously when you go back to the championship, was that 08? I don't want to, I don't want to put these guys through the ringer here, but you had Mario Chalmers hitting that buzzer beater. And then obviously, I mean, watching the game last week there isn't Lawson like their starting point guard. Uh, and, for Memphis or Kansas? Because both Lawsons are – the Lawson brothers are now on Kansas and they transferred no, from Memphis. No, exactly. So my point being the the six-foot-nine guys that playing point guard for them. And they're going to be probably cutting down the nets at the end of the year. So, I mean, I know we're all excited about Penny Hardaway, but – Yeah, if I was a Memphis fan, I'd be pretty pissed at that <laughs> because these are two – these are two guys that went to Memphis and obviously like you had mentioned, uh, from the Memphis, bad blood from, from Memphis. Memphis yeah. Yeah. Bad blood though, there between Memphis and Kansas. Uh, I mean, that was basically the last time Memphis was relevant. You can make the argument that Tyreek Evans still had him somewhat relevant. Uh, I think it was either the year after or two years later, but no, I mean, if I'm a Memphis fan, I'm still stewing over that 2008 title game, all Derrick Rose had to do, all the entire fucking team had to do was hit a couple more free throws and they salt that bitch away. And then they come back and uh, Mario Chalmers, Mario's miracle, and it just rips the heart out of Memphis. They go to overtime and obviously run out of gas for no, both that, selves. I mean, that's, the point. that's my point though. You know, like that happened 10 years ago. You know, these guys, they're, they were kids. They've grown up. They've become adults. Yeah. They're probably raising families. Then all of a sudden they have these homegrown guys from memphis that go to memphis and they're going back to kansas you know they're just it's just flaring back up in them a little bit so you know hug for you and i want to give a big hug to the barn chief sam because this was sort of his rationale when i brought up you know there's probably some bad blood there between kansas and memphis and he tried telling me that he goes well you know the grizzlies had darrell arthur and mario chalmers was on the grizzlies for a little bit i'm like come on man you just you sound hurt right now, and I don't blame you. You lost two big time recruits to a team that's probably going to use those two recruits to get to a Final Four. But that's kind of how I knew the barn chief was still smarting, and I don't blame him. I'd still be upset about it too. Oh, it's tough. It's tough. 
It is. All right. That was the week that was. Uh, Nap, why don't you tee us up with what's going on for this upcoming week? Let's give the people something to watch and then discuss that. Yeah. Um, the only one I can talk about it right now because the game's actually going on as we're speaking, but Buffalo. Buffalo. They're good, man. Buffalo's good. They're ranked 25 right now. They're winning right now. And kind of a, stop me if this take is crazy right now, but is Buffalo the best dual mid-major university for both college football and basketball at this time? Are they good at football this year? Their, fo- their football's tough. Really? Yeah. I didn't can, know that. Can you think of another one right now? Uh, well, I feel like typically the mid-majors either excel in one sport or the other, right? Know, Buffalo it's tough to do both. But, Buffalo I mean, yeah, I mean, you can both, make that man. case. What's the – yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd be curious to know what their record is in football. But, obviously, Buffalo Bulls defeating West Virginia in Morgantown. And we discussed this last week. We said West Virginia is going to be a lukewarm team. Uh, the, the result doesn't shock me a ton. Uh, if you're Whenever you're ranked 13 or 14, I don't really expect a ton from you. But uh, I think they were on the – the end of one of Rothstein's brutality tweets, but I've looked at this. I've seen this Buffalo team firsthand, man. They delivered Arizona their loss in the tournament last year. They beat the shit out of Arizona with the number one overall pick playing against them. They're athletic, they're experienced, they're fast. Uh, And this is actually Bobby Hurley's former team. So I really hope that Buffalo can string together some wins and stay in the top 25 as a consistent ball club. Because I feel like we're looking for that mid-major team that's not Gonzaga to, or maybe even Nevada that hasn't gotten as much pub as those guys. No, and Buffalo's legit. I mean, obviously, they, they impacted you. They touched you last year in that uh, <laughs> first-round game. But, yeah, their football team is 9-1. and one. They've won five straight. They're in the MAC. Wow. Buffalo, best dual mid-major sport uh, university out there right now. You heard it here first on theater and college basketball. But anyways, leading into uh, kind of the week that we are looking at, really just two big ticket games. Um, first one being, you know, Michigan versus Villanova. Obviously exactly. different, different uh, I guess, different actors participating in this week's matchup. I, 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 it's hard to kind of get hyped up for a rematch when, you know, the people playing are so different, but that's why you got, you look at the infrastructure and you look at the organization and you know that Jay Wright and you know that John Beeline are going to be putting out a team that's competing in those late weekends in March. So this is a game, watch it because it might be a, when you're filling out that bracket later on, you might think back and when you're pulling up the schedules, you say, oh shit, these, these two motherfuckers played each other. They played this, each other back in November. This is the what? beauty of college basketball right here in app is we get an absolute tasty tasty first game between duke and kentucky on paper at least the game sucked but we also get a great game between kansas and michigan state and these guys are five-star recruits out the ass one and duns right quick quick hitters in terms of hey i'm gonna use you for one year to get to a final four in a championship and then i'll reload next year then on the other side you have michigan and villanova john beeline versus jay wright two programs that have just, I mean, they're just built, right? They're built on the backs of three and four year guys, fundamentals, guys that weren't highly touted coming out of high school and going into college. You look at a guy like Mo Wagner last year, but it's still competitive basketball. It's still awesome to watch. And I'm really excited for this game, this rematch. Uh, But you're right. 
the only thing that sort of detracts from it is a lot of the rosters, at least the starters aren't going to be there. Right. So you, you look at the Michigan starters from last year, I kind of w- wish that, I mean, it, it, it's impossible to have, but I wish that they were playing in this game so that they could have that edge. They could have that, you know, how pissed off they were and that revenge factor. But I'm just excited to see both of these, both of these teams there. I think the difference between them is about 10 spots. Uh, it's in Philadelphia. So I think Villanova is going to end up winning this game, but it's, you're right. This is going to be a game where at the end of the season, we're going to see both of these teams and they very well could match up, uh, match up against one another as maybe like a three or a two versus a three, two versus four type of type of game. No, and it's, it's obviously it's not the same matchup that we're getting from last year, but it's also going to be when we figure out who, who are going to be the new players this year, who are going to be the new guys this year. And these are the kind of games where you figure that out. So I, I'm definitely excited for the matchup. I'm trying to look up what the point spread is for that game, but I'm assuming. Good. Yeah. I, I can't find it right now, but give me Michigan, hopefully getting at least six. So Ryan, Archie D Gillespie. That's him. It's beautiful. That fucking guy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So Villanova, Michigan is going to be a you lot com- of fun. And- yeah, <laughs> you you combined a lot. You could Ryan Archie because you almost put DiVincenzo in there as well. You almost combined three <laughs> of them. And if you added a Nardi at the end as well, then you got Mike Nardi going back to the early mid two thousands. You can really make something right there. It's like the famous uh, what we used to do with George Niang, my all time favorite college basketball player. When I just tacked his name at the end of your last name to humble you whenever I can. But anyways, that's that game. Certainly tune into it. I think it's on Wednesday night, so there's nothing else to watch. Um, actually, I'm going to be in Vegas for that. So, uh, what are you doing in Vegas? Don't worry about what I'm doing in Vegas, all right? I'm just going to Vegas. Sounds so, kind of shady, but all right. I got, I got things to do. So I'll be in Vegas. I'll be watching that one. Um, definitely excited about it. The other game now, you know, we've had two podcasts air now. Our, our viewership and our platform and our fan base is growing tenfold. I had people, I went to the BC Clemson football game. I was walking around the streets. People were yelling out at me. Why you got to talk about this game. You got to talk about this game. Was Sam Ham one of them? He wasn't there. I don't know where he's at, but anyways, they want me to discuss Syracuse UConn. Now this game is being played at Madison square garden and it leads me to the ultimate kind of debate here. What fan base is bringing more to the table at MSG, Syracuse or UConn? Who's got more of a presence in New York City? I mean, I feel like that city split right down the middle. Everyone that goes to Syracuse has probably ended up in New York City. Everyone that goes to UConn has probably ended up in New York City. Both schools are big. Both schools have been great college basketball-wise. We've had legendary games going back to that massive overtime game when, way back when. when uh, That was still McNamara, if I remember correctly. Wasn't Dorf. Dorf, excuse me. Um, but this is going to be one to watch out for. Um, obviously Syracuse is going to be favored. However, Danny Hurley, <laughs> this fucking guy, yeah, I, I this, cannot wait to see him in MSG. This is when you want a guy like Danny Hurley in your corner. You know, yeah. this is when you want to let that dog loose. Um, because you know, Syracuse, you know what you're going to get Uh quick note on them, buddy Bayheim, who, you know, I, I wouldn't say I was building a mountain to die on top of like I was doing with Zion Williamson, but kind of a hill that I was willing to die on for Buddy Beheim. 
well, I am pretty much dead because Buddy Beheim is terrible. <laughs> I looked up his number. He is in his first two games. He was in his first game against Marshall. He was oh no, Moorhead State. He was one for seven from three, and then in his second game, he was one for eleven against Eastern Washington, bringing him to a two for eighteen from three to start the year off. Now, ordinarily, if he's just like any other recruit, uh, you're, you're thinking, all right, he'll write the shit. But he, he's got Pops coaching him. And you know Pops is telling him, stop shooting the ball. And he's bringing the team down. That's got to be gnawing at him. So that's something I do. Whenever he touches the ball, the, this game's on Thursday night, by the way. Whenever he touches the ball, just know somewhere, I, I'll still be in Vegas, somewhere in Vegas, I'm, I'm in a three-point stance watching that hawking it down, dying to know what he does with each one of those shots. Cause I need buddy Bayheim to get this together going for it. But anyways, Syracuse, UConn vintage Northeast basketball, basketball game. I'm pumped for it. I'd like to see UConn get back up there. Uh, and let's see if Syracuse is going to be tough early in the season. As we know, they're going to be tough late in the season. Yeah. I'm just excited. This game's back. They always have epic duels. Obviously you referenced the, uh, the, I think it was seven overtime game where Devendorf, who just, what a character Eric Devendorf is. Uh, but he, he thought what he, he thought he hit what, what was the game winner. He goes over to the scorer's table, goes crazy, uh, ends up that he didn't get it off in time. And UConn ends up winning the game. These guys have ultimate battles. The, the best rivalries in sports are the ones that carry off the, the playing field, right. Or the, or the basketball court. Obviously, these guys don't like each other on the court, but their fans fucking hate each other as well. Uh, I, I think you got every UConn fan saying that Syracuse fans are complete and utter trash, garbage. They're the quintessential team that just, if you're from New York, they, they call themselves New York's team. If you're from New York, you know, I'm just going to be a Syracuse fan. Oh, when'd you graduate? Actually, I've never stepped foot on Syracuse's campus, but big orange fan, right? UConn, uh, I think Syracuse fans are still probably very upset that after all these years, and uh, UConn does this better than any team, and that's capitalize and turn talented teams and hot streaks into titles. Four national titles up there in stores, Connecticut. I'm just glad this game is back because whenever when Syracuse left for the ACC, we haven't, we haven't gotten this game in a little bit. And like you said, in MSG, uh, you're going to be looking at Buddy Bayheim. I'm going to be squarely located on Danny Hurley because this is his type of atmosphere, his type of game, and you know he's going to want to make a statement. Danny Hurley, I think what's going to happen, I can see within the first two possessions or so. A whoa, UConn whoa, whoa. Play. I, got, I got to stop you right there. Danny Hurley's type of game, like I, I've propped him up this entire episode. I'm all about him. But he's since when has he ever played in a game of this magnitude? He, was he ever, hasn't. He yeah. hasn't. He, his attitude and his personality is that's what, built for this venue. That's what I mean. But he's, I mean, he was at Rhodey for like 10 years playing VCU on some noon game on Saturday that six people were watching. That was the no, biggest no. game he's ever played. And also like Duke in the second round when he loses by 35. But outside of that, Danny Hurley has not been tested in an atmosphere like this yet. But his he personality. Yeah, his personality and everything that lines up for it because he wants to be an MSG and I can already see maybe the first or second possession, a UConn player committing a clear, obvious foul and Hurley's just going to tear the ref a new asshole. He's going to set the tone, but this is going to be smash mouth, old school, big East basketball is what I feel like it's going to be. And to be honest with you, I'm going to take UConn, uh, UConn winning this game because at some point 
the Syracuse wheels have to start falling off for the entire season for them to get to that sub 500 record and then to have to be on the bubble. I think it starts here at MSG. No, and all I want out of this game, and you know, it's a lot to ask, but I want close in the second half, you know, big bucket by UConn, UConn fans stand up. Big bucket by Syracuse, Syracuse fans stand up. You can see them both on your TV. You know, you can see the you can see the navy blue and you can see the orange there, and you don't know, you know, what who's this arena rooting for? You can't figure it out. That right there, that moment when you got like six six different quadrants in there, different pockets of fans, and you know, back and forth they go. That's theater. That's exactly why we have this podcast for moments like that. I got to tell you, man, the first week of college basketball, I mean, I threw up kind of a weak Hail Mary theater uh, in Indianapolis last weekend when Michigan State made a comeback, but everyone knew that they weren't going to win that game against yeah, it's Kansas. Like, it's like, I'm, I'm waiting to fire off like a real feet tweet, and I'm just, I'm Pavlov. I'm one of Pavlov's dogs, right? Yeah. Whenever, whenever, I'm salivating at the mouth. I need it. Well, it's hard to Pavlov right now just because there's other interests. You know, you you can you can send out a feet tweet on a Thursday night, but just know that there's also going to be a ton of people watching the Thursday night football game. Which I don't care. It's it's personal for me. What is the Thursday night game this week? Oh, Packers Seahawks is actually a pretty good. Game. Actually, yeah, play a do or die game. So I mean, that's, that's probably where the feet is. That's actually good feet. That's good feet. Oh, feet, feet, tweet, and seat. Little Chinese riddle for you. Ron. That's good. That's good. All right. Um, all right. So outside of that, I mean, we got nothing else to look forward to this week. Uh, I think the way Sub and I want to break this down, that first half of this podcast, we kind of just take some inventory on what happened over the weekend and then the previous week, and then we'll preview other games. Obviously, once conference games comes around, it'll be a little easier to forecast what's going to happen. But those are the two big ticket ones, Michigan, Nova, Syracuse, UConn. Watch those. And, um, do the reps now so you're not sloppy in late February, early March. One quick one that I also want to mention is uh, Maui Invitational. It's always a pretty good tournament. That starts uh, next Monday, I believe. So I think we got Iowa State in there. Duke is going to be in there. Arizona's in there. So some good teams, decent teams, uh, obviously highlighted by Duke. But Maui Invitational is always a good one to catch as well. Shaman yeah. out, of course. I agree. And, you know, I've been biting my tongue you know, through the three podcasts that we've done so far, but your pronunciation of the word tournament is, I want to jump out my window right now. It's tournament, not tournament. You call it tournament. It's tournament. You've known me for about 15 years. This is exactly how I've been pronouncing it every single day. I'm not going to stop. So tournament. Anyways, I think we're uh, up for some segments now. Is that right, Father? Let's do some segments. All right. So I believe it's a guest that actor, isn't it? Guess that actor. Uh, yeah, you got it. You got to provide me the the clues. Or you have the actor. Let me guess it. I have him. I'm going to give you several clues. They they might not all be relative to basketball, um, but I, I think eventually we're going to get there. So walk with me for a second. All right. All right. And I'm going to read it in the first par- person narrative. So <laughs> I have battled and defeated cancer four times. Okay. I have. I'm going to let you say say all of these. All right. I'm, I'm assuming you can't get it after that because there's probably more. No, yeah, no. All right. Uh, one time when I was riding a bike, I broke five of my ribs. It ran Paul. Another time when I was riding my, ran Paul. Another time when I was riding my bike, I broke my hip. 
I'm 76 years old. I've won three national championships. Okay. We cooking yet? Yeah, that that helps. Um, I'm still coaching right now, but not in Division One. Uh, not in Division One. Fuck. That's the big one right there. Is he an East Coast or West Coast guy? I am the epitome of the Northeast. Uh, I also have like a whole bunch of recruiting violations alleged against me. Not that many. Uh, a lot of people think that it throws a black cloud over my entire program, which has been very successful. Somewhat recently, we did fire a head coach, and we spent the better half of this podcast discussing the current head coach of the program. Oh, uh, Calhoun? That's my guy. <laughs> Got it. Jim Calhoun. This man deserves a vast amount of attention in this podcast. He is now the head coach of a division three program in Hartford, Connecticut, St. Joseph blue Jays. And he's got a mile to a two and zero start this guy, St. Joseph, St. Joseph is it's in Hartford, I think. Oh, but okay. imagine going from like coaching the crown jewel of Connecticut, you know, UConn. And now you're coaching some division three school. Let me give you some facts about St. Joe's here in, in Hartford. They they're, their arena seats 1,800 people. That's it. That's all you can fit in there. But let me tell you, that house was packed on Calhoun's debut. And Calhoun's debut, it was electric because he went out there within 41 seconds in the first game. He called a timeout to bench his, his star player. Just benched him. Got him. I mean, you're, Set you're, down. You got, you're making a coaching statement early on. He threw a chair after one guy turned it over towards the end of the game. This guy, he, he's still he's out, still out there trying to win games, rebuild his brand after you know kind of the stink that was surrounding him for a while. So Jim Calhoun, you got it. I'm going to be watching. I'm a diehard Blue Jays fan for the rest of the year. If I, maybe if I can get up to a game, and, and you know it's a hot ticket. You know there's only 8, 1,800 spots in there, so I got to find a way in. But Here's I'm going to be watching say, these guys. This is the epitome of someone just itching. Itching to get back. He's a college basketball coach. That's uh, what he's, Jim he, Calhoun he's going to die on, on this court. earth to do. Yeah, he's absolutely. a guy that will die coaching because he was awful, just terrible as like an analyst on ESPN. the The voice just didn't work. Uh, uh, he, he just didn't know what he was talking. Oh I mean, yeah, it works for me, but I mean, to everyone else, I, he was awful in the booth. So Calhoun he's, was uh, literally put on this earth to walk college basketball sidelines. I'm glad he's back in his wheelhouse. Yeah, I mean. I've never been more convinced of a guy that will die coaching than him. And he's such a good coach that he's going to make sure that he's got a couple timeouts, even on his death timeout. Like he's still going to have a few for his assistant coach to take over and finish the game and get the W that's Calhoun. Love that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Real quick one as well, in terms of segment this week in the, uh, Andy Katz in 2003 published an article. Now Carmelo Anthony's in the news. Andy Katz published an article asking uh, the year after Melo left Syracuse, who's going to be this year's Carmelo Anthony? And that name was one Luol Deng uh, for Duke. Now, Luol Deng was a good ball player there at Duke. He's made a nice NBA career. I don't even know if he's on a roster anymore, but wanted to bring that up. Pretty hysterical comparison between Luol Deng and Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony, uh, not sure if he's going to be on on an NBA. Yeah, him and, him and Luol Deng, they can uh, – they can 
commiserate over that Andy Cass article from 2003 while they're both unemployed. And, you know, the ultimate testament of how you know when you're old is when you remember watching the guys have a career in college and then literally have a full NBA career. See them at the beginning when they're rising stars, see them, you know, compete for championships and then see them on their downturn as well. You grew up with that. Uh, obviously, you didn't have a career with them. You just watched their career, and that's how you know that you're you're getting up there. So that cool. that era right there, and you know the Dang Anthony, uh, those guys right there. I, I'm trying to think of someone else that can stand out in that early 2003 era. Dante Jones, maybe. There you go. That's a good one. He's still he's still hanging around. Well, but like Dunleavy and Boozer, <laughs> like all those guys as well. Yeah. Um, well. To quote Craig Robinson from uh, Knocked Up, you're old as fuck. <laughs> don't, don't get me wrong. I would tap that ass. I would tap that ass. <laughs> well, outside of that, Sue, I'm not sure we got any more segments. Um, that, that'll do it. Uh, curtains up. Thanks, guys. <laughs>